It's good to see you today. I'm glad that you have come to be a part of this service. Uh, it's always a joy to be together. If you're visiting with us, we're delighted to have you and hope that you receive a blessing by coming and being a part of our service today. It's, um, if you uh, choose to, you can fill out the uh, card on the bulletin and place it in the offering plate when it is passed. And uh, we would be happy to have a record of your attendance and no better how to serve you. But again, welcome in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The announcements and opportunities of the week are on the back of the bulletin. The youth will meet tonight at 6, and that does include the youth and youth parents, uh, the ladies ensemble at 6, and sounds of the spirit at 7. On Tuesday, the worship team will meet at 6.15. On Wednesday, the 11 a.m. Bible study and prayer service. And Wednesday night supper is uh, breakfast for supper this week. And that's at 5.30. If you haven't signed up, please call the church office. The youth will meet at 6. And remember, our children's programs now begin at 6 as well so that we can finish up by 7.30 and give the children an opportunity to get home and get uh, ready for school uh, half an hour earlier so that they can get to bed at their normal time. And then Bible study and prayer at 6.15, mission friends at 6.45, adult choir at 7, and the stewardship team will meet at 7. Uh, as well. On Thursday, the women's Bible study, let me correct this. I'll make sure I get this in the bulletin right next week. It is at 6.30, and it's at Lisa Garitti's house. And I was teasing Lisa in the first service and said she would have supper ready for those who were coming, but she's not, okay? Um, she gave me one of these, you know, so uh, I was just giving her a hard time. But they are having their women's Bible study at 6.30 at Lisa Garitti's house. I believe that's all the announcements I have. Next week, Dwight will be doing the announcements. I've given Dwight uh, a month to observe and see what we do. It's very difficult to jump in and give announcements when you don't have the bigger picture. And after a month, he's seen how things work and what we do. So next week, he will uh, also help assist in communion as well as do the announcements. So just wanted to make you aware of that. Uh, as well, because some have asked, when will Dwight be up here? Well, next Sunday will be the Sunday. Again, thank you and welcome as we come together to worship. We had uh, 88 people in the first service, 182 in Sunday school, and I'm grateful that you've come to be a part of this service today. Now let us worship God.
The psalmist says, the earth is the Lord's in all its fullness, the world and those who dwell therein. For he has founded it upon the seas and established it upon the waters. Who may ascend into the hill of the Lord? Who or who may stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who has not lifted up his soul to an idol, nor sworn deceitfully. He shall receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. Shall we pray? Eternal God, into your presence we bow on this day that you've given to us a gift from you. Grateful, Father, for the power of your love to overcome our sin. Grateful for the opportunity to gather in worship and to share together as we listen for a word from you. Accept our praise and our adoration. Help us to focus wholeheartedly on you. For we make this prayer in the name of Jesus. Amen. As we stand to sing this morning a hymn of praise and majesty and power for God, I'd ask for you to turn to hymn number six and stand as we sing, Immortal, Invisible, God Only Wise. Keep your hymnal in hand and turn in the back to responsive reading number 673, Praise and Adoration. Sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, praise his name. Proclaim his salvation day after day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous deeds among all peoples. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of nations, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. The world is firmly established. It cannot be moved. He will judge the people with equity. As we continue to sing about Jesus and praise his name this morning, I'd ask you to turn to hymn number three as we stand and sing together, Worthy of Worship.
He is worthy. Now it's our turn to be worthy to him. Let us pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we know that you bless us, you love us, and it's our turn to show our love back to your kingdom as we take these offerings and tithes to in better your gathering places and the ones that are in need. Be with us, bless the gift and the giver. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.
Shall we pray? Oh Lord, as we bow again in your presence, we do so with reverence and awe. Knowing, Father, that it's because of your grace and your mercy that we are here today. You have shown us your love for us through your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. And for this we give you praise. We are thankful that as we gather in this place, this sanctuary set apart to worship, this place, Father, where we can learn and be challenged, that we come here knowing that you do have a word for us. Forgive us, Father, for failing to see our responsibilities before you. You have given so much. And you ask of us, Father, that we share what you have given with the world around us. We are thankful for those who hear the call to the mission fields, wherever they may be. We pray, Father, for their safety and for their security in places, Father, that sometimes are very dangerous. And yet, Father, we know that they have gone out of a sense of calling. A calling to serve you. And to share the gospel story. We pray Father that as we. Worship you. That we will ever be mindful. Of your power to redeem. Of the very fact Father that in you. We can come to one. Who can hear and answer our prayers. And who does. We pray Father for those who are suffering. We pray for those who are hospitalized and for those who are recuperating at home, for those, Father, who have suffered injury. We give them to you. And pray, Father, that you would work and minister in their lives. We also remember those who have lost loved ones. The pain is real and sometimes very, very deep. And yet in the midst of their sorrow, you are there to bring comfort and assurance and a way forward. We pray for our nation, for our leaders. We pray for their wisdom That you might guide them to do what is right in your sight. We are grateful, Father, for those who protect us here and around the world. And yet, Father, in the midst of all of the chaos, we pray for peace. The peace that can only come from the Prince of Peace himself, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. In whose name we pray. Amen.
Sure sounded good having all the backup singers behind us today singing the hymns. And thank you for that musical offering today. We continue this morning our book of our study of the book of Malachi. Uh, we are going to spend the next several weeks looking into this book somewhat in depth and looking for major themes that we, we see in it. Um, I always remind you that it's good to take at least a portion of the year and to study intensely one book so that we can leave here each week with a theme resonating in our thoughts and in our minds as we uh, try to glean what the Lord has to say for, to us through these prophecies. So we look at Malachi chapter 1, verses 6 through 14 this morning under the heading, Dishonoring God's Name. A son honors his father and a servant his master. If then I am the father, where is my honor? And if I am a master, where is my reverence, says the Lord of hosts? To you priests who despise my name, Yet you say, in what way have we despised your name? You offer defiled food on my altar, but say, in what way have we defiled you? By saying, the table of the Lord is contemptible. And when you offer the blind as a sacrifice, is it not evil? And when you offer the lame and sick, is it not evil? Offer it then to your governor. Would he be pleased with you? Would he accept you favorably, says the Lord of hosts? But now entreat God's favor that he may be gracious to us while this is being done by your hands. Will he accept you favorably, says the Lord of hosts. Who is there even among you who would shut the doors so that you would not kindle fire on my altar in vain? I have no pleasure in you, says the Lord of hosts. Nor will I accept an offering from your hands, for from the rising of the sun, even to its going down, my name shall be great among the Gentiles. In every place, incense shall be offered to my name, and a pure offering for my name shall be great among the nations, says the Lord of hosts. But you profane it. In that you say the table of the Lord is defiled and its fruit, its food is contemptible. You also say, oh, what a weariness. And you sneer at it, says the Lord of hosts. And you bring the stolen, the lame and the sick. Thus you bring an offering. Should I accept this from your hand, says the Lord? But the cursed be the deceiver who has in his flock a male and takes a vow but sacrifices the Lord what is blemished. For I am a great king, says the Lord of hosts, and my name is to be feared among the nations. Often one hears God's name taken in vain on television, at ball games, even in polite company. But taking God's name in vain occurs in ways other than cursing. Vain means emptiness. When people worship God half-heartedly, they empty His name of meaning and thereby take His name in vain. We stand in danger of doing the same thing when we come to services like these and just go through the motions without any emotion toward our God. It's essential that we understand that God expects the very best we can give Him. 
And we see very clearly in the book of Malachi that one of the problems that was occurring was the fact that they were taking advantage of the reality that God was not first in their thoughts and in their minds. We profane God's name by not offering our wholehearted worship. God set a high standard for sacrifices because His own Son, Jesus, would be sacrificed. He was the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 19, we read, By the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without defect or blemish, we receive our atonement. God intended the Old Testament sacrifices as pictures of the ultimate sacrifice of Jesus. Since God would give His best, He required the best sacrifices the people had, not their leftovers. You see, many times, like these people, we too are blinded by our own sinfulness. It's difficult for us to comprehend what God has ultimately done for us through His Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Being born into a state of sin and living in a sinful world, it is difficult for us sometimes to come to the realization of how serious our sin is and how costly it is. When the priest accepted the cold cows, the gaunt goats, the stolen or sick sheep or the lame lambs, they insulted God. Further, they modeled a lackadaisical, don't-care attitude that infected all of the people. They asked, how have we defiled you? But their anything-goes approach to leading worship revealed the worst form of blasphemy. They had forgotten the lessons of earlier when those who received severe punishment because of unauthorized fire offered to the Lord. The priest may well have said, God, we believe in you, but you no longer inspire. You don't excite anymore. You exist, but you don't deserve our wholehearted worship. Our following your commands or our best efforts really aren't up to us. The priest apparently did what people do all the time, pretended the animals were in top shape. They modeled for others then and now what it is to exaggerate the value of their gifts to the Lord. The truth is when a person offers God the worst of his flock or of his field or of his paycheck or of his time, that person is not right with God. And in God's grace and mercy, He comes to His people in the Old Testament in the form of the prophet. And He reminds them of the significant relationship, covenant relationship He has with them and their responsibility to hold up their end. And Malachi made it very clear that they were not doing what God would require. He goes on to say that we must treat God better than we treat our governor in verse 8. Malachi challenged the priest, bring it to your governor. Would he be pleased with you or show you favor? If a governor would not show favor for such despoiled offerings, will God show any of you favor? They had more concern about pleasing their civil authority than their heavenly one. 
They had more concern with what was going on in their lives that they could see and that they could touch without the realization of recognizing what God had done for them to sustain them to this very moment. And in our past look at this, we understand that they had returned from the exile and yet they were not happy because it was always, God, what have you done for me lately? Just imagine a person writing the Internal Revenue Service on April 15th. Dear IRS, I've had a hard time this year. My kids have been sick and my car broke down. I'm sure you understand. Best I figure, I owe you $4,000, but I can only pay $200. Please receive my check and I'll see if I can do better next year. Do you think that approach would fly? I think there would be some interest in your future. But do we treat God any better? Dear God, I'm behind on my sleep because of the activities the children are involved in. It's important for them. You understand if we miss Sunday school and worship this Sunday, don't you? We just need a relaxing day to sleep. We'll do better next weekend. Oh, please excuse me. I forgot the sports tournament next Saturday and Sunday. Make that week after next. What would that kind of approach indicate about how we value God? The God who loves us so much, who has sent His Son for us, and who has graced us with salvation. People don't write that kind of letter to the government because they know it would not be acceptable. Isn't that right? However, how do we treat the Lord? We must not offer our holy God our rejects, our leftovers. He deserves our best because He gave us His best. We must not expect God's favor if we give him second best, verses 8 through 10. Malachi used the word favor in both both verse 8 and 9. To show favor is literally to make pleasant or to soften the face of God. They tried to curry favor with their governors by giving the best they had. However, since they gave their worst to God, Malachi inquired about the effectiveness of their approach. He answered in verse 9, and now ask God's favor, will he be gracious to us? It didn't work because they treated his worship with lukewarmness and his sacrifices with disdain. There may have been an allusion to the Numbers chapter 6 verses 24 through 26 blessing of favor. You've heard it. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord make his face to shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord look with favor on you and give you peace. In 1979, archaeologists unearthed the burial site south of Jerusalem and uncovered in it two rolled plaques of thin, pliable silver that were the size of credit cards. When scholars translated the etched inscriptions inside, they found a shortened version of Numbers chapter 6, verses 24 through 26. The plaques date to the 7th century B.C., making them the earliest known written citations at that time of Scripture. The fact that later Jewish traditions also quoted Numbers chapter 6 verses 24 through 26 in the context of funerals show the Jewish people knew these verses well. 
It also makes it more likely that Malachi alluded to these verses. The people wanted God's face to shine upon them and to grant them peace. They wanted God's favor, but they had forgotten to accompany their prayers and desires with following His commandments. There was always this struggle in the Old Testament, a struggle that many times continues today. The struggle of a covenant relationship with God, the new covenant we have with Jesus Christ, frees us by His grace to live in accordance with what He would have us to do. And yet many times, like the people in the days of Malachi, we live in a world and in a society and in a church system that is settling on giving God not the best, but whatever is left over. Society is structured that way. We should expect no less of the world in which we live because the world is filled with sin and we hold the light of Christ. And in that light, people's lives can be changed as that light radiates from us and people see that we are willing to give our very best to God. We know that styles have changed and what people wear is different. But it used to be that people always dressed to the nines to come to church, didn't they? Because it was this idea that we come to church in our very best, right? I'll never forget Janet had a little boy in second grade when she was in Halifax County. And he, it was around Valentine's Day. He came to her a few days before Valentine's Day and said, Miss Madison, I have got a Valentine for you. And she said, well, that's nice. He said, you want to know what it is? She said, well, you can tell me if you want to. It's Michael Jordan in his Sunday suit. So it did make a difference, you see. It was this idea that it's our best. The very best we can give. Now, don't read into that. Preacher says, I'm not dressed well enough to be at church. I'm telling you, styles have changed. Times have changed. What is, what is our best now is not the same as what our best may have been 50 years ago. It used to be when people flew on an airplane, they'd wear a suit and tie, wouldn't they? It was an occasion. If you see what people fly in now, oh my goodness, you... <laughs> It's an occasion, but it's a different kind of occasion. Spiritual conditions in the church at Laodicea caused the Lord to say, because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I'm going to vomit you out of my mouth. In the same way, the priest of Malachi's day allowed economic and political conditions to make them careless in their work. They hadn't stopped serving outwardly, but they had stopped in their hearts. God can't stand acts of worship termed empty by acts of disobedience. And like our day, it's not so different. You see the constant theme. God did not want empty worship. He didn't want it then and he doesn't want it now. We profane God's name by not realizing His worldwide greatness in verses 11 through 14. Twice in verses 11 through 14, God told the priest, My name will be great among the nations. And once He said, My name will be feared among the nations. Again, to emphasize the nations, God relayed the extent from the rising of the sun to its setting. He is saying that one day everyone 
will worship me. And we see light of that in Philippians, don't we? When we know that Paul wrote that every knee would bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God. The acceptable sacrifices and the incense and pure offering mentioned in verse 11 could be speaking of Christ's sacrifice for us. Worship to Him now is offered and the name of the Lord Jesus is made great among the nations. There are several theories here, but I chose to highlight this one. Incense and pure offerings can be understood as in Hebrews 13, 15 through 16. Therefore, through him, let us continually offer up to God a sacrifice of praise that is the fruit of our lips that confess his name. Don't neglect to do what is good and to share, for God is pleased with such sacrifices. He's not asking us to be more than we are. He's asking us to be who we are and give our best. We know that Jesus, when he went around ministering, he met people where they were at the time and he changed their lives for the good, but he took them for who they were. Not who they ought to be. God took you for who you are. Not for who you ought to be. And gave you his very best so that you in turn could understand the power of his love to overcome your sin. Gentiles will recognize God's greatness and worship him, we see alluded to here. While total fulfillment of this prophecy will occur in the future, even now Christians around the world are part of that group from every tongue and nation and tribe and peoples who call on the name of the Lord. Let us learn from Malachi that our service and religious activity must be carried out with a genuine love for the Lord and gratitude to him. God does not need our gifts or service or worship. We cannot buy his favor, but he delights in our honest prayers and enjoys the heartfelt offering of our lives to him. He wants us to love him in the way that he loves us. I told you a few weeks ago after Christmas, if through the years my children got what they deserved at Christmas... They would get nothing. But we give gifts because we love them. God didn't give us what we deserved. He gave us the gift of life because he loves us. The very sincerity of heathen worship we see alluded to here, the prophet is saying, is a biting rebuke to the heartless hypocrisy of the religious leaders of his day. Wherever there was sincere worship by any people to deity under any name, that worship was more acceptable to God than the careless indifferent performances of the priest. The purpose of Malachi, of course, was not to praise the heathen in his worship, but to shame the leaders of his own people to a greater devotion to God in their service to him. You are not treating me as well as the heathen treat their gods, he is saying. Paul wrote, 
present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual worship in Romans 12.1. The term present is a technical term used in worship for extending the sacrifice before God. When we realize the great love our God has for us and the amazing gift He has given for us through Jesus, we humbly present ourselves to Him. Then our work, daily living and worship all become joyful sacrifices that lift His name. When we come to the realization of the sacrifice that was made for us in that and in that alone, we understand that God deserves our all. Priests worship repulsed God and slandered His name because it came from impure hearts and motives. Our worship, however, can honor Him and magnify His great name, thus fulfilling Malachi's vision, Abraham's promise, and the prophecy of Jesus as light to the nations. Malachi 1.11 and the last part of verse 14 echo Isaiah 50.19. They will fear the name of God in the west and His glory in the east. Jesus referred to this prophecy when He spoke of many who will come from east and west and will recline at the table with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven in Matthew chapter 8 verse 11. We profane God's name by not following through. On our vows. God's glory is how we describe the sum effect of all of his attributes. Grace, truth, goodness, mercy, justice, knowledge, power, eternality. All that is he, he is. Therefore the glory of God is intrinsic. That is, it is as essential to God as light is to the sun, as blue is to the sky, as wet is to the water. You don't make the sun light. It is light. You don't make the sky blue. It is blue. You don't make water wet. It is wet. In all of these cases, the attribute is intrinsic to the object. But in contrast, our glory, man's glory, human glory is granted. If you take a king and take off all his robes and crowns and give him only a rag to wear and leave him on the streets for a few weeks, when put next to a beggar, you'll never know which is which. Because there is no intrinsic glory in us. That's the point. The only glory that people have is granted to them. The glory that is God's is His in His essence. You can't de-glory God because God is glory in His nature. You can't touch His glory. It cannot be taken away. It cannot be added to. It's His being. And in Malachi 1.14, the Lord gave His indictment against people who brought Defective animals for sacrifice when they could have done better. He said they were cursed. This is the second of seven references in Malachi to cursed. He used the word three more times against the priest in chapter 2 verse 2. The prophet closes this section with a ringing rebuke addressed to the people for their shabby treatment of God. 
In time of trouble, they would make a vow unto God involving an animal without blemish. This vow would then be paid by offering a blemished animal. Malachi denounced such a one as a cheat and pronounced a curse upon him. But even in this evil practice, the priests were at fault for allowing such sacrifices to be presented. Such conduct on their part can only result in the judgment of God upon them. They were bargaining with God and they were bargaining with faulty sacrifices. How many of us have ever bargained with God in that way? Oh God, if you will only get me through this medical situation. If you will only make sure that my financial situation is better. If only I could pass this test, God, I will give you everything I have. And then it happens, oh never mind God, I'll just give you this. We treat God as if he is someone that is equal with us. But God's glory requires of us more than many times we are willing to give. We diminish God in the world when we're not willing to give our best. And people see it. When Josh was playing high school football... He was on a very successful team. I've shared that with you before. They won back-to-back state championships in 2006 and 2007, and they had quite a remarkable run of it. It was like watching a video game. They were so good on offense and so proficient on defense. I'm bragging, but it's the truth. You can go back and look at the films, okay, if you want to see that. But I tell you that because Josh would always share with us different things that had gone on in a game or whatever, and things that he would share that he knew we wouldn't frown upon. And they were playing Liberty High School, Liberty High School from Bedford County, uh, up in the mountains in one of the games, and they ran what was called the triple option. And a lot of times in the triple option, unless you're used to playing against you, you don't know where the ball is. So it becomes difficult sometimes to defend. Josh's job was the ineligible end, which actually functioned as a tackle. His job was to step out and block linebackers. Those of you who don't know what football is, I know this sounds, might as well be speaking Hebrew or Greek to you. But In the process of, of playing the game, the score got so out of hand that one of the, the player that Josh most of the time was blocking said to him when they lined up one time, just push me wherever you want me to go. I quit. (laughs) It looked good, but it wasn't real. That's what Malachi is saying here. You think it looks good, but it's not real. And God expects us To be real. The reason for the curse is seen in verse 14. I am a great king and my name will be feared among the nations. As a great king, God deserves our best. The best respect, the best obedience, and the best offerings. And one day, per Malachi's prophecy, he will receive those. From all the people. 
Where are you in your walk with the Lord? Are you giving your best? Shall we pray? Oh, Lord, we are grateful for your word. We are grateful for your servant, the prophet Malachi, and for his willingness to share with us all these centuries later the importance of putting you first. May we always do so, Father, as we seek to serve you. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Our invitation hymn is number 277. Take my life and let it be consecrated. As we give our lives to the Lord, He can set us apart. If we are willing to give our all, our best, He can use us. Will you stand as we sing? Getting out a few minutes early today. Put that in the bank for me. Um, some of these, they're topical, and yet uh, I went so on, I finished the topic, I'm through. And that's what I told in the first service. So we will continue our study, and sometimes it may run a little over. When I uh, work on these each week, I find myself editing quite a bit because there's more I'd like to say, more I'd like to do, but I try to make it important. So I hope when you leave here today, you know that we are to give God our best. That's what I hope you take with you uh, from this study today. Again, thank you for being a part of this service today. And I look forward to seeing you the next time we are together. Let's bow for a closing prayer. Oh Lord, as we depart today, we do so recognizing that you have given us your very best. And we are to give no less. Help us, Father, in the world in which we work and serve, be witnesses for Christ as His light radiates from us so that others can see. Thank You for Your grace and for Your mercy and for Your sustaining love that brings us here now and will bring us back again. In the name of Jesus, Amen.